This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR. R-A-Z-O-R. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome to PuckCast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. I'm joined, as usual, by AJ Scholes, who's an excellent follow not only for hockey, but he's proving to be quite the football guru. We'll get into that in a few seconds, too. And you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's A J S C H O L Z 24. AJ, I love this time of year when the NHL, NBA, and NFL seasons are all well underway, and the baseball offseason throws in their free agency period as for good measure, and the holidays are around the corner. It just doesn't get any better for this than this for me and, and all sports fans out there, like yourself, no doubt. But for our purposes today on PuckCast, the focus is on the frozen ponds of the NHL. How are you doing anyway, bud? I'm doing great, Paul. I, I agree with you there. Throw in some, uh, some NCAA action as well. And uh, it's just a great uh, sports time of year. Uh, and then uh, for me personally, a little DFS success last night. I had $5 worth of entries, cashed out $18 on that using uh, Crosby, Malkin, and Murray. So a bit of a penguin trio there to, to power me to a win. And no doubt you were you were fueled by the fact that it was a narrow slate, and you guessed right. And I think that's an interesting point that we could follow, talk about for a sec, and that is, do you prefer nights when there's fewer games and uh, kind of it's a really hit, super hit and miss kind of a deal? And, of course, if you had the right big guns, you paid uh, it paid out big time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely tend towards smaller slates. I think, uh, for me at least, I, it makes the decision-making a, a little less. I can narrow in really on the guys that I think are going to perform well that night. Uh, so I love it. Uh, it's, it's, a great, uh, it's a great way to go. But there is certainly something to be said for the big slate nights, too. A little bit more of a challenge there uh, if that's what people are looking for. Uh, and then, as always, you know, before we get into the rest of the program here, I want to remind listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, uh, fantasy hockey, both DFS and season long, 
or just hockey in general, uh, you can tweet us and we'll try and answer your questions either during the week or, or in our next podcast. Uh, and you can follow me, as Paul mentioned, at AJ Scholes 24 and you can follow him, Paul the Statsman, at Statsman22. Very good, AJ. And I enjoy these questions that come through during the week, and I know we've tried to answer them during the course of the week, so it behooves all of you to follow us to get those answers and insights. We're quite happy to share them as soon as we get the questions in tow. AJ, we're going to kick it off like we always do with some of the bigger storylines from around the league, and that includes some pretty significant injury news as well. So why don't we get into it, the 30 teams as quickly as we can do the go-around. We'll begin in Anaheim, where Jakob Silverberg has provided some secondary scoring with six points in his last seven games. He's, he's become a, a guy who I think should get a look on, on, on maybe the first line, but there's also the case being made that maybe he should stay right where he is and be the centerpiece of a second scoring line. Where do you stand on that particular issue? Yeah, it's hard to argue moving a guy up from the the second line when he's doing so well there. But I really do want to see Jakob Silverberg get that chance on the top line. I think he'll offer more alongside Getzlaff and Perry than Rickard Rackel has so far. Um, so I'd love to see him up there. Uh, for our daily uh, players out there, Silverberg's averaging 12.9 points on, on FanDuel in his last five contests. So really uh, a great both season-long and daily play. Uh, good points there, AJ, as usual. And uh, next up in Arizona, Arizona, we have the first of those injury notes featuring Max Domi. And uh, his situation is a week-to-week one. And uh, I'm not sure that bodes well for the uh, short-term outlook for this club, which is already in the down-and-out uh, pile. And uh, they, uh, they tried to... They're trying to weather the storm there, I guess. And one of the things that they did was pick up Peter Holland in a minor trade with the Leafs. I'd love to see this guy get a shot. He's a big, rangy forward who's got a, a wealth of offensive skills, but really kind of found his way into uh, Mike Babcock's doghouse and never really escaped. Yeah, Peter Holland. They, they straight up told him not to come with them on a, on a trip. So that's a pretty strong indication they don't want you around anymore. Uh, you know, this way Toronto can maybe, it's a conditional picks. Maybe they'll get something, maybe they won't. But he certainly wasn't going to be back next year. So they would have lost him for nothing. And I think he can add something to the, to the Yotes down in the desert there. Um, you know, whether their season, as we've kind of talked about, is over already. So get him in, see if he sticks. And then, you know, if he does, maybe look at him for next season. Yeah, he's a guy that has played special teams in Toronto and and is good in the skills competition at the end of games. So there is some value attached to this guy that is worth a bit of a look-see in my estimation. And uh, we go next to Boston where uh, they're writing quite an interesting story, AJ, with a number of players that whom we didn't uh, forecast in their lineup to start the season. One of them is Tim Schaller with four goals, five assists, uh, one of several new faces that they've uh, w- woven into their lineup. They're retooling on the fly, and their record with Tuka Rask in goal is 15-5-2. I think this is a remarkable story that doesn't get enough ink, particularly. Yeah, I tend to agree there with you. Um, I do think it, it's a nod to their AHL system uh, in the, the scouting department there that they can get those you know young talents in and then transition them almost seamlessly into the, the NHL. And I think it speaks a lot to organizational um, you know, deployment of guys, deployment of systems so that these guys can come in and smoothly transition. So they're doing some good stuff there. One guy that we highlighted in the season previews in Buffalo was uh, 
the defenseman Ristolainen. Uh, Rayo Ristolainen is uh, is a guy. Rasmus Ristolainen, rather, is a guy who has really shown well offensively of late. He started off slowly, and I was concerned about that output because every team that uh, wants upward mobility in the standings really has to have that power play quarterback stud, and he's proven to be just that guy over the last seven games where he's gone on a point point per game pace. So that's one bit of good news. But another one that hasn't been talked about much in too many circles is the performance of Kyle Pozo, a free agent signing that's working out very well in Buffalo as he leads the club with 18 points. Yeah, I think Risto must have been listening to the podcast last week. We were down <laughs> on him a little bit, and he seems to have stepped his game up. Um, and yeah, you mentioned Okposo. Uh, the one thing I do want our listeners to, to highlight for them is uh, he is expected to play, but he does have an illness. So uh, definitely something to check on whether or not he'll be in the lineup. Uh, and then we talked about questions we got from users. Uh, I had one this week about Sam Reinhardt, whether or not to dump him. Uh, I told this uh, particular uh, Twitter follower uh, to hold on to him a little bit longer. I don't know what you think, Paul, but uh, I, I like the slate that Buffalo's got coming up. I think they've got some easy opponents. And so I told him to hold on to Reinhardt for now. Not sure how you feel about that well, one. His profile, he's a former very high draft pick. They're very high on his offensive skill set. And and a guy like that on a team that's that's in rebuilding mode, he's going to play special team minutes and top six minutes. That's just the type of guy that you want. And particularly if you can get him at the lower end of your roster, uh, might not cost as much as some of the other da- daily fantasy options and certainly should be available in a lot of fantasy leagues. He's a good guy to stash as a long-term keeper, I think, because uh, if he meets the expectations, that he had uh, in the draft you got a heck of a player on your hands there and uh, interesting to note that the next club uh, features his brother on that team and we'll, we won't talk about him today but uh, Chad Johnson is certainly grabbing a lot of headlines in Calgary he's on a six game win streak and he's completely stolen the starting job away from Brian Elliott uh, big off season acquisition there Johnson's proving to be yet another of the, these backup goalie stories who has taken the main role and run with it how far he can go is anybody's guess, and I'll ask you to chime in on that. But another point worth making is uh, Johnny Hockey, re- coming off that big contract signing, uh, is now playing on a separate line, separate from Sean Monahan. And that tandem's been split up. I wonder what you forecast, how it's going to affect either one of these guys in fantasy. And uh, so let me know what you think about those two situations. Yeah, I think Brian Elliott's going to be once again looking for another home after the season. Uh, I think Chad Johnson has firmly taken the reins there. Uh, A little surprising that it did seem to take him this long. I I know they had high hopes for him when he was back in Buffalo, and it it just didn't pan out there. But um, good for him. You know, he's having a great year. And it doesn't, uh, for Goudreau and and Monaghan, it doesn't seem to be affecting those guys too much. You know, Goudreau's got eight points in in four games since coming back from energy. Uh, injury and Monaghan's got six over that same span so uh, they appear to not be affected by by being split up maybe uh, it's a you know way for them to thrive a little bit so they can each kind of be that main scorer that main target on their line Um, and definitely two guys as you mentioned that would be a a certain uh, certainly worth a look in in daily contests yeah they're high-end guys on the flames they're also going to get that first line top six minutes for sure and in, even if they're split up and certainly they're reunited on the power play so it's not like they don't play together at all anymore and I think that they could be both back together fairly soon uh, be a pr- primo assignment for the other winger that fills out that unit 
in Carolina. Another goalie is grabbing the headlines. Cam Ward, the veteran there, is having a fabulous start to his season. He's got a 2.25 goals against average through 22 games. That's the good news. But on the on the downside, they spent a lot of money extending Justin Falk, who evolved into uh, quite an offensive force on the blue line. But he's proving to be a very, very much a one-way only only kind of defenseman and uh, that's that's not great news when he's not scoring as much as he used to in prior years so he's got a big cap hit attached to him and not looking so good right now do you keep him or you drop this guy so cam ward on the plus side justin falk on the downside your thoughts aj yeah cam ward is is doing a lot better than i think i expected from him this year i was i was pretty down um on him uh, you know heading into the season but uh he's been performing well which is is great news and and Falk, I, I do think I would dump him, um, and Carolina may want to consider that as well. A four point eight million dollar cap hit for just three assists in the last fifteen games. Um, if you can maybe use the name recognition in, in a trade and, and get him uh, for for more than he's worth at this point, that'd be a great great move in in season long contests. I do want to point out also good news here, as it sounds like Jordan Stahl should be available tonight as long as he didn't suffer any uh, setbacks after practice yesterday coming back from that concussion. So hopefully they'll get him back and uh, look for him to be activated from uh, injured reserve later today. And I guess with that in mind, we'll have a note on what line he'll be playing on. It's not really clear whether he returns to a top six role. If he does, that gives him even more value. So keep an eye on that on our Rotowire website. We always like to plug that. AJ and I both work on that pretty diligently, and we'll get on that right after this podcast. I haven't got to it yet, AJ, this morning in case you're wondering. <laughs> All right, I'll keep an eye out for that. Okay, and with the Chicago Blackhawks, Scott Darling has pushed his way into the starting role and, and done fairly well with a 2-2-1 two, two and one record in five starts. But the great news there is he's only allowed seven goals along the way. And, and this is a team that's still operating without Jonathan Taves. Uh, he's still out with that back injury, but he started to skate on his own. He's still some ways away, but they're getting good mileage out of Darling, who's replaced uh, their starting goalie and, and doing very, very well over there. Yeah, you can't ask for much more when you have a guy suddenly, you know, out of the lineup like Corey Crawford with that uh, appendectomy, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there's not much more you can ask for. I mean, two, two and one, he's going to just get you through the, the tough times until Crawford's back and ready to go. And some more good news from from the injury side. Uh, Taves, as you mentioned, has been out, but he is traveling with the team to New York. They play both uh, at the Rangers and at the Islers, uh, Islanders. So it looks like he might be back soon. Uh, he's got nine games missed already. A little more concerning is the eight-game goal drought prior to getting hurt. Um, hopefully, you know, maybe the time off is, is let him get his head right and he can shake that off as well uh, when he suits back up. Yeah, this, this is an interesting case with Jonathan Taze. We could spend a minute discussing this one, AJ, if you don't mind. And I, I think he gets overrated in daily fantasy because his value really is more uh, of a team leader, uh, I don't want to, I, he's definitely a cut above a guy like a Dustin Brown, but you know what I mean? He's not that high-end scorer that some, so many other team leaders are. His value is more in uh, intangibles and, and uh, what he gets out of his teammates. Uh, so he kind of gets overrated sometimes, I think, in the DFS. And, and I look for, for others' options when he, they're in his price range, to be quite frank. Yeah, I think he's a great uh, a great spot for for maybe season long. Yeah. Um, but I do agree in in daily his his price tag tends to be higher than than I think he's worth. And when you're paying up that much, uh, I I do look at other options as well. I, I think he's just a little too expensive in daily. Yeah. 
Uh, in Colorado, this is a team that's coming off the oddest of weekends, AJ. When you look at the fact they got trounced 10-1 to 1 in Montreal, uh, they only had 36 shots on goal against their goalies, and they stunk in that game. Then the next night, Semyon Varlamov comes to Toronto, faces 52 shots, and allows only one goal. How do you figure that? I mean, I guess you got to ask questions about the quality of those shots. I oh. mean, for starters, but um, I do think this is what you're going to see out, out of Colorado for much of the year. Uh, this team kind of lacks an identity. They don't really have, you know, what type of team are they? Are they offensive scoring when in a shootout? Are they defensive minded when, you know, when in a one goal game? I think without that identity, we're going to see more of these ups and downs in the future. Uh, certainly, I wouldn't expect uh, too many 10-1 uh, losses, but I, I think you'll have good nights and bad nights uh, throughout the season for this team. Yeah, I think you got to look for the nights where, where they get a good matchup against a weak uh, penalty-killing unit, so the likes of Landeskog uh, uh, and company. They, they, Landeskog, Duchesne, McKinnon, they, they can gang up on you on the power play. And we saw that when they were successful. So that's, that's where I think the value is there. Look for the penalty kill versus power play assignment. And that's maybe the only place where these guys pay off. Otherwise, they're in for a dreadful campaign. They're, they're a lock to be a lottery pick, it looks like, at the end of the season. One team that isn't going to be a lottery pick, and I'm surprised to say this a little bit, is the Columbus Blue Jackets, though I was expecting a bit of an uptick. I didn't think it would be into the top quarter, a third of this league, and yet there they are. One of the guys that's caught up in the surge is a guy who I've waited on for a while, and that's Sam Gagne picking up uh, the the pace with six points in his last three games and 19 points in 25 games year to date. Are we finally seeing the Sam Gagne that I've been expecting or do you think that uh, he's uh, above his, his, uh, playing above his grade right now? Yeah, I, I actually think all these guys are kind of punching a, above their weight class a little bit. Um, they, you know, the team itself, I think, is outperforming, you know, slightly where their, uh, where their talent would take them. And, and I think that is a credit to, to the coaching staff there getting the best out of them. And, you know, things are definitely going right for you when you can line up Gagne in a bottom six role and get that level of production out of them. So I, it's definitely a, a surprising season, I think, for both of us, but a, a great season and a, not a bad time to be a Columbus fan. That's for sure. Yeah. And you know what? We're not getting any John Tortorella sound bites. that's he's been pretty quiet there in terms of the media coverage and uh, Maybe that's part and parcel of the success, too. Uh, he's taken a lower profile and let the players play and uh, uh, taken a bit of a backseat. I think it's a great story being written there and a surprising one. Uh, over in Dallas, I've been on the Kerry Lettinen train all year long. He's on a couple of my DFS teams and, uh, on a regular basis and season long, too, when, when I can get him in the lineup. I think he's definitely taken over the net, uh, allowing only 11 goals against in his last six starts, while Antiniemi was shelled for six in the only time he got a start during this stretch. Are you finally willing to concede as well that Lettinen is the number one guy there? I'm not, unfortunately, Paul. I'm still... <laughs> can't win you over (laughs) no no i i just wonder how long this is going to last you know letnin has lost uh four of those six starts so he's performing well but not coming coming away with wins and i don't think you should be too hard on anti niemi that shelling did come from the penguins who have scored 35 goals uh in their six december games so they're shelling everybody right now so it's it's hard to blame that too much on niemi 
All right, then I won't, but I'm still happy that I got Letton of the two of them. <laughs> over, <laughs> over in Detroit, for the second year in a row, a rookie's grabbed a top-six role offensively here, though it's a, as much about Anthony Mantha as it is about the lengthy injury list. But uh, they've been high on Mantha for a while. He's now 22 years old, so he's not just a raw rookie coming right out of the draft. He's paid his dues in Grand Rapids, but I think they're expecting a lot from him and helping in the transition uh, that continues in terms of the youth injection in the Detroit lineup yeah I don't think anybody should be too surprised about seeing Mantha uh, performing well Uh, last year in the AHL he racked up 45 points in 60 games in Grand Rapids and even going back further he he's been a great uh, Quebec major junior hockey league product as well I'm sure you saw plenty of him uh, up that way so uh, just a a great young talent It's, it's nice to see them actually trusting youth there in Detroit it's not something that they've done a lot in the past but it I think it's been working out for them of late. Well, and one team that's come up off the mat, they've been one of the NHL drags for way too long, is the Edmonton Oilers. They've been fairly successful year-to-date, avoiding that almost that relegation range, if I could use a soccer parlance. And one of the assets that doesn't get talked about is the fact that they've got Andre Sequeira as a defense, uh, decent offensive D-man there, uh, finally starting to put up some points. And uh, along with that, he's got 13 points, as I say, but uh, plus nine in 31 games played. It's been a long time since you, uh, you could find a plus nine anywhere in the Edmonton roster. Can he be the, uh, A, the all-around defenseman that can lead the team from that position? and the power play quarterback from that point position in your your estimation? I think if they're going to succeed, he has to be. Um, you know, Darnell Nurse uh, required ankle surgery yesterday. He's out for 12 weeks. Yeah. Uh, they might get Brandon Davidson back uh, this week, but, you know, he's not an offensive powerhouse by any means. So Sakara really has no choice. I think if this team is going to succeed, he's going to need to step into that role. Um, I think he can do it. I, I look for him to kind of continue performing at, at the same level, um, but he certainly has to if they want to go anywhere. And over in Florida, this is one of the teams that's got the arrow pointing down so far this year for me. They've been underperforming, but... Uh Barkov, who was supposed to be their number one center, is starting to finally look like it. And that that might be uh, something of a positive uh, indicator. He's got four goals, two assists, and looking like that big, skilled, top-line center that every team covets. I think if he continues to play well, he will pull the rest of this team up into the the upper echelons where they belong. Do you agree with that assessment, AJ, or do you have a critique still? I do not. I don't think uh, Barkov can carry this team alone. I think he needs some help, and he, he's just not getting it. I mean, certainly injuries aren't helping. You know, March Schultz has been out longer than I think anybody originally expected. A Huberdo, they lost early in the season. And I just don't think Barkov has the ability to completely carry a team like that. You know, they've lost four of their last five, and, and they're on the outside looking in as far as a playoff spot goes. And I'm not really banking on them getting back into that fight. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting to to note how far they've fallen because they had uh, a lot of people surprised with the way they were building that team and impressed, I will say, but uh, they've taken certainly a turn for the worse with the coaching change, a real indicator that things are not well in in Florida, as you indicated. So it's not necessarily a one man that has to turn things around, but having him working in the right direction is at least going to give them a shot, I think. Over in Los Angeles, when uh, this team lost Jonathan Quick to his injury, you and I both thought that we'd see a spike in the goals against. It hasn't been an issue, but instead, as we've seen in the last couple of years, there's been they, this team can go through stretches where the offense just dries up. 
As for Quick, at least he's doing some light resistance training, but he's still several weeks away. But what say you about this uh, pop gun offense that we've seen out in Los Angeles? I just think they lack uh, a, some depth outside. Of, I like their their second line. You know, I think uh, Tanner Pearson and, and Tyler Toffoli can can produce or, or at least should be producing. They haven't been of late. Um, but outside of that, I, I'm not high on any of their bottom six guys. Uh, you know, a lot of times we see the teams that are succeeding are getting scoring from that third and fourth line. And this team just isn't. Uh, and I, you know, to be fair, Budai did have a little bit of a rough patch there. Uh, lost three in a row with a 3.74 goals against average. Uh, but they gave him a night off and then he got a win. So maybe he just, you know, needed needed a little bit of rest and hopefully he's back on track. Um, and I think they're going to take their time with quick as as long as Budai continues to do well. There's no reason not to wait until Jonathan Quick's 100 percent ready to go. Now, AJ, it's way too early to project playoff matchups and so on but if minnesota gets there i don't think there's any team in the league in the western conference that wants to face devin dubnik particularly the way he's playing right now he's clearly building a case to rank among the very best in the league in hockey with his microscopic goals against but they're also getting a lot of mileage out of eric stahl who also has found a uh, the fountain of youth, I guess, uh, I guess, over there in Minnesota. These two guys are both lighting it up in their respective roles, and uh, that makes this team a scary proposition, in my estimation. Absolutely. They're, they're probably one of the most dangerous teams coming out of the West, and, and they're definitely going to compete. You know, As you mentioned, Dubnik, 4-0-1 in his last five with a 1.53 goals against average. It's just hard to bet against this guy right now. He's, he's been phenomenal. And talk about what's phenomenal. Look at what's gone on in Montreal. This team, when they lost Alex Elchenyuk and David Dayarnay, that's two of their four regular centers. They respond by getting a 10-spot Saturday night, a five-game, five-goal performance that they game before. Last night, they came a little bit down to earth, losing a 2-1 to thrilling game against Boston, really, when you note it. So uh, I'm surprised that this team retains that offensive punch, losing these two key cogs. And, uh, and at the same time, he may have to give a nod to what's gone on with Andrew Shaw's contribution. We haven't really talked about his addition to Montreal, but to my, in my mind, he gives this team a bit of a backbone, and they've played with a lot of confidence with his injection and the introduction of uh, Radulov into that offense as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I thought six years, $23 million was way too much to have paid for Shaw um, in the offseason, but he's definitely been earning that. He's been a stabilizing force. Um, on that offense and uh, one player I, I've thought has been performing pretty well has been Arturi Lekkonen as well um, he's been you know a, a little bit of a surprise uh, has performed better than than I think I anticipated so a lot of good things coming from some rather unheralded guys there in Montreal yeah that's a, a word that's going to be a theme of our show <laughs> we're going to hit on that a little bit some of the lesser lights performing and another one is uh Arvidsson in Victor Arvidsson in Nashville he's moved up and down the roster but contributes continues to contribute offensively this is kind of a no-name offense is this and this is why I'm highlighting a guy like Arvidsson he has two goals and one assist in the last week now up to nine goals and eight assists year to date you're going to find a lot of other name recognition guys who are in that range no one saw this coming from this third year pro and he's already at career highs he's bounced around he was playing first line minutes but we see now on the rotowire listing that he's going to go down to a third line role uh what about this guy and his profile from your perspective 
Well, I think the hockey fans in Milwaukee uh, are, might disagree with you, Paul. You know, he's been a fan favorite there for the Admirals, uh, averaged a point per game in his limited uh, minor league appearances last season. Uh, the year before, racked up uh, more than 40 points uh, in, in a significantly uh, larger role with, with the Admirals there. So uh, those fans in Milwaukee, I think, have been waiting for this for a while. And uh, I, I expect good things from him. I continue to, to chug along there. And I, I think it's an attribute that they can kind of slide him up and down the roster based on injuries and, and move him around to where they need him to, to be at his best. The New Jersey te- uh, Devils, think of a team that has a no-name reputation. This team really defines it, in my estimation. But then they've relied on defense for the most part, but that defense has fallen apart. Their uh, goals against is right around four in the last 12 games. Their offense produ- offensive production is up a, a tick. But uh, it's not keeping pace. That's big trouble for New Jersey, I think, long term, isn't it? Yeah, a poor defensive Devils team is not something we're we're used to seeing. Yeah. And I'll be, you know, I'll be frank for our listeners and, and fans of the Devils out there. I don't have any real hope uh, that this team can turn it around this season. Yeah, I think that they're headed for lottery uh, involvement if they continue at this pace. There's no no uh, good positive light at the end of the tunnel. It might just be that oncoming train. Uh, the Islanders, this is another team that falls into that category too, but at least Anders Lee is trying to buck the trend of the rest of the team other than John Tavares. Lee has four goals and two assists in his last six games. We've seen this guy get hot before, AJ, and uh, he's, he's capable of a 20-plus goal season, and he's, an, a, he's a top six forward, uh, one of the few offensive guys that they can tend to rely on, and he's thriving with Josh Bailey on that top line. Uh, on Tavares's wing, uh, he's got six points in his last seven games. It's all eggs in one basket, a one-line team. If you can find me a value player outside of this trio, I haven't seen him in, in Long Island. Yeah, I do, I do think it is nice. Uh, you know, Lee has been a little more utilized outside of that top line uh, in favor of Brock Nelson, who hasn't done much. So you certainly could see Lee back up on that on that number one line, but hopefully they can kind of maintain having him on a, a different line, as you mentioned, to not have all their eggs in one basket there. Uh, I do think it's important to point out as well that Travis Hamanick, he's got assists in, in each of his last two uh, after a six-game drought uh, certainly trending up but not i'm not sure that that's going to stick long term i agree i think this team could be headed uh, for a lottery spot as well one team that won't be is the next one up and that's the new york rangers uh, young but i will point out young players on solid teams have to keep it up and jimmy vc who started the season on fire has posted a few uh, minus outings, I'll say, in terms of the plus-minus record, even though he's picked up a couple of points in that, in that period. And, but the result is that they've started to cut back on his minutes, reducing them to 12 minutes in each of his last two starts. That's down four or five minutes from what he was averaging earlier. Management is che- clearly challenging him to play a more complete game, and right now they're cutting back on his minutes, so that might mean less power play time and less time on the top six. So if you've got Jimmy Vc out there, I think it's an opportunity to look elsewhere on your season-long uh, teams and maybe stay away from him in daily until he regains that profile. Yeah, I think I would I would stick with him a little bit longer. He is still a rookie. He's going to have those ups and downs. Um, I expect him to maybe get the message 
uh, about playtime, maybe come out strong at, at practice the next couple of days here and regain one of those uh, top six spots. Yeah, he's a guy with way too much skill to be relegated for long, but I think it's a good wake-up call, and we've seen it around the league with some of the young players, and that's the point worth making. In Ottawa, the Senators are getting quite a bit of mileage out of a, a second goalie that they've introduced into the mix after a recent trade, and that's Mike Condon. He's now seeing the majority of goaltending assignments here, and the early returns are very impressive. This guy's got a 2-2 two eight goals against average and a save percentage over 92 percent in 10 appearances far better numbers actually than even craig anderson in his impressive start but this team is starved for secondary scoring and i i wouldn't have expected either of these things i think this is a team that i projected to be able to score goals but have trouble keeping out of the net i've been fooled on both accounts what's your say here aj I'm right there with you. I expected much of the same. And I, I do think this team would have been absolutely sunk if Andrew Hammond were still in goal for them. Uh, Condon has pretty much been saving their season. Um, but as you pointed out, they continue to be led in scoring by uh, Carlson from the blue line. He's got 27 points. And it's a great contribution when you can have a guy like Carlson, Brent Burns, Chris Letang, these these uh, offensive-minded D-men. D but you need they can't be leading your team in points you need scoring from somewhere else and now we got to slide into uh the good and the ugly i'll leave out the bad in in the state of pennsylvania i know this is from your perspective you don't like saying too many positive things about the philadelphia flyers (laughs) but you have to say they're winners of nine games in a row steve mason's been a real key allowing two goals or less in six of these six or seven of these wins and uh stolars is a guy who i i was high on they've introduced him into the mix in terms of the backup goalie role he pitched a shutout in their last win over detroit which was an overtime victory a one nothing win on a on a Braden chen goal it was an exciting game even though it was such a low scoring effort as well but what say you about the flyers success I, I do think it's been a long time since we've said that the Flyers are having solid goaltending. Um, and any team that can do that, you can overcome any other deficiencies when, when your backstop is really stepping up. I, I think the one thing that is really clear is that Michael Newverth is not going to be in Philadelphia next year, in my opinion. Uh, he's going to be a free agent after the season. I don't see any reason why they should bother bringing him back. Stolarts has been phenomenal so far as the backup. Uh, and Mason has really stepped up since Newberth went down with that injury. Yeah, and this is a team that if they continue to get the goaltending, they've got a deep enough offense that they're going to be a, scare, a scary opponent uh, should they make the playdowns at the end of the season in the Eastern Conference as well. And I know it would be quite inter- interesting for you to see, uh, well, maybe even a scary proposition, just for you to see Pittsburgh and Philadelphia line up against one another. It's not always worked out well for your guys in that, in that matchup. But okay, Mr. Penns fan, Sherry, Schultz, and Cole are three of the top added players in recent uh, fantasy roster trends. Please explain each of these circumstances. Well, for anybody picking up Sherry now, they clearly didn't listen to our preseason uh, Metropolitan Division analysis because I told you to take Sherry early in the year. Uh, he's playing alongside Sidney Crosby and Patrick Hornquist on their top line. Uh, they have been working him in periodically on the power play, not not really consistent. But if you're one of Sidney Crosby's wingers, you're going to get points. So I'm just not my confusion there is why people waited so long to pick him up. Uh, as far as Schultz goes, I, I think he's definitely got uh, the the talent to to be that level of player. He didn't really show it in Edmonton when he was there before. Um, but he's got nine points in the last seven, and he had only 18 points total last season split between Edmonton and Pittsburgh. So 
Um, he's finally showing up. And Ian Cole, I think, is a little bit of an anomaly. Uh, he does have seven points in the last seven games, but none in his last three. Uh, so I, I think he uh, is probably a little bit too early to take. I, I would hedge away from him. Uh, but he does need just two more points to reach a career high. So kudos to him to, to getting that close that quick. Yeah, I, I've been waiting on this from Schultz for quite a while. You know, I thought they brought, when they brought him in, I thought he had an offensive pedigree to him and in a better system than what he saw in Edmonton. I think he could fr- thrive, and that's exactly what we're seeing now. So this was an opportunity to really buy low on a player who had some upside, and he's realizing it in Pittsburgh. And Shiri, to your point, I mean, you and I could thrive on, on Crosby's wing. This guy's stuck there getting a long look and being productive and there's no reason to forecast why he will come off that line as long as things are going well but again it really behooves our listeners to keep an eye on the line combinations there because as we've seen around the league it can change in a blink of an eye and right now he's he's enjoying life on the number one unit in san jose this is a team i'm going to get a good look at here in toronto as they visit the leafs tonight uh thomas hurdle still out of the lineup uh, this is a, this is a tough blow for this team because he was one young player who was hopeful of moving him into in amongst the top veteran ranks with another kick at the cat at a top six role, but injuries have held him back. They're still relying on that veteran group of scorers. You can close your eyes and name the top five scorers on this team seems year in, year out. And uh, I think that's, that's something that's hold, holding this club back from being an upper echelon club. I don't know if there's anybody among the second tier of offensive scorers here who's really underperformed that might step up, and that's exactly what this team needs. Is there anybody that you're looking for in that, in that second tier group that might step up in the near future? I was real high on Jonas Donskoy uh, heading into the season, but he's certainly been suffering from uh, the sophomore slump here. Just eight points in 28 games. I, I think he has the talent. I think he has the capability. Uh, you know, maybe other teams are getting a little more film on him, a, a little better idea how to control him. Uh, but he had a great rookie campaign, so he's shown he can do it. Uh, he just needs to put it together again this year and, and break through whatever walls holding him back right now. And, you know, just like in Pittsburgh, there's an opportunity for guys that are secondary scorers to come to the fore because they're insulated by playing with some great players. I think that's what's gone on in St. Louis for Robbie Fabry, who's collected eight points in his last seven games and vaulted into that scoring kind of role and even factoring in on the team's power play. This guy was a top scorer in junior, and it's been taking him a long time to really find his niche in St. Louis. I think now that he has, he would be a great pickup in season long and it might be an interesting play in daily. Absolutely agree with you there, Paul. Uh, Fabry appeared to just lose whatever scoring touch he had. Uh, They were shuffling lines a little bit in St. Louis. They had a lot of injuries to start the season, so maybe that inconsistency affected him a little bit. But it looks like right now they're going to have him on the top line with Schwartz and Tarasenko. So uh, Tarasenko is another player. If you're on his line, uh, you can perform well. Again, I think you and I could tally a few points with uh, Tarasenko. Uh, So I expect him to continue to do well as long as he's on that line. I think if he gets bumped off of there, he may start to struggle again. And then one guy who is struggling in Tampa, you're giving me some great leg, uh, lead-ins to the next uh, team <laughs> here. This is great. Uh, uh, the owners who brought in on Jonathan Druin are finally seeing a bit of a return as he's collected six points in his last four games after a very sluggish start. I expected a big year from this guy. He's been uh, relegated late of late to a second-line role with Phil Pula and Boyle, who neither one of them is, was an exceptional offensive player. So I think it's on him to carry that line. And I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed with the output, particularly since they must have been counting on him uh, ever since the Stamkos went down with his injury. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think he was held back by that that injury he had kind of uh, a couple weeks ago, and I, that obviously carried forward into his first few games back. Really struggled, uh, but it looks like he's finally getting his legs back under him. Should hopefully be able to to kickstart the rest of his season. And, and I'm uh, count me among one of the guys who was high on him into the year. I, I think I have him on my season long league as well. Uh, so I'm I'm also hoping for some uh, production out of him. <laughs> and uh, in terms of production, uh, William Nylander's finally escaped the doghouse in Toronto, it looks like. But did he give the keys over to Mitch Marner that is, is what I also wonder. These are two of the young offensive guns that Leafs are going to build their fortune around, around in the future. Nylander was relegated to a fourth-line role because uh, the coach, very demanding coach, uh, uh, Mike Babcock uh, didn't see much of an effort in the defensive zone from Nylander, but he's been skating like uh, the devil in the last few games and really fired up about playing some defense and, and getting moved up into the, into the rotation again and playing significant minutes on the power play. Mitch Marner, though, has gone the other way. This guy was a highlight reel in the early weeks of the season, but he's gone MIA over the last few games, and uh, he is also a guy who's more noted for the offensive game, and I wonder if we're going to see him snap out of it soon. And in the next breath, I'll have to also mention the math in Matthews Line A comparison uh, with uh, Patrick Line of the Winnipeg Jets, of course, will rage for years, as we know. But I have to like the fact that Matthews is eighth in the league in shots on goal. That's a big stat in the, in the daily fantasy game because shots on goal is important and he's been a pretty complete player and can skate really well for a big man is what i'm seeing out of him so i'm seeing uh, really focused on the youth of this team and what's your view from a distance yeah i like uh, i like the fact that uh, as you mentioned uh, matthews is is getting shots off and, and pelting you know opposing netminders with pucks it, it shows that he's getting opportunities and they're only going to start to go in with ever increasing frequency the more and more he keeps firing away. And I'll never be one to tell a guy not to shoot the puck. Uh, and then, yeah, Mitch, Mitch Marner, I, I called him earlier in the season my silent assassin. Well, he's been more silent than assassin of late um, and has just been, as you mentioned, absolutely absent. Uh, and I think you're right. I think uh, Nylander on, on his way out of the doghouse handed him directly to Marner. And that's a great point about defensive hockey. That's a point that we've seen Mike Babcock for years harp on, both with uh, you know Team Canada, with Detroit in the past. And if you're not going to play two-way hockey, you're not going to play for Mike Babcock. Well, and that's that's why he's probably the right man for the job in Toronto. So I'm as a Leaf fan, I'm pretty excited about the, what the future holds here. But what the future holds in Vancouver, I'm not really sure. Uh, Jacob Markstrom got both recent weekend weekend starts uh, over Ryan Miller, who's dealing with an undisclosed injury. We're not sure how long he's going to be out. I don't think it's going to be too long, though. AJ, these guys have kind of split the role in goal uh, with an equal share so far this season. So uh, that's the situation to monitor in terms of daily fantasy. Make sure you do check our starting goal grid uh, for that information because it can cripple you if you pick the wrong guy there if you're ever in a two-headed monster in goal and you pick the wrong guy you're sunk Uh, in terms of offense I don't know what we're going to see out of this team going forward but probably an indicator of how bad it is is when a defensively responsible guy like a Brandon Sutter is not living up to the family rep as a strong two-way player he's got an ugly minus 16 rating I didn't see this coming from this guy for sure, and that's something that will penalize you in, in some season-long leagues too. Yeah, that's normally I tend to be one that uh, 
you know, I'm all about going for the young guy in goal and, and seeing what you have there. Uh, you know, I called on, you know, Stolarts to go in for, for Philadelphia. Um, but in this case, you know, Markstrom's been terrible <laughs> for, for lack of any better way to put it. Uh, he's winless in his last three. And I think they need to stick, you know, stick with Miller, ride it out for now and, and hopefully get him back on track uh, once he returns, you know, from injury. And yeah, you mentioned Brandon Sutter. Uh, another guy I had a lot of close uh, time watching when he was with Pittsburgh was never one I was concerned about defensively. Uh, so yeah, I'm absolutely shocked by that minus 16 rating. Uh, not sure if it's a product of, of bad goaltending, kind of a weak defense or, or what's going on there. Maybe he's just on the ice constantly. Uh, that could certainly be a, a factor as well, but something needs to turn around for him. That's for sure. Yeah. And over in Washington, then there's, two of their top six guys at the beginning of the season they need things to turn around and before this team can be considered a, uh, a, a true contender i mean everybody anticipates they will be but right now kuznetsov and burakovsky that firm that russian firm uh, that holds down the second scoring line they're not scoring they've got a total of five goals and only uh, 20 what is it to 14 24 points between them i was expecting much more from that tandem do you think they will turn things around soon to uh, equate what they did last year i think they can but as far as turnarounds goes i'm looking at at number eight alex ovechkin not leading the team in points which i think is a big concern for them uh you know for the rest of the season and i i checked his numbers he's averaging you know just 0.78 points per game and that's well behind Crosby and McDavid and even New Jersey's Taylor Hall is outpacing him. And we've talked about how offensively lacking uh, the Devils are. So I, I think that's, you know, my bigger concern is it, it looks like none of the Russian contingent in uh, Washington is playing well at all, or at least not up to their uh, standard. Leave it to the Pittsburgh guy to slag uh, the Russian, uh, the great eight when he's down. I love it. (laughs) Uh, That's another great comparison. We mentioned the line A Matthews one, but this is the signature one in the NHL right now. And you're kicking the guy when he's down. I love it. As a Pittsburgh fan, I get it too. (laughs) Winnipeg Jets, speaking of Patrick Liney, he fired a puck into his own net on Sunday with a nice wrist shot too. This guy blasted it. I haven't seen that for a long time. It was actually the winning goal against his club. I wonder if if that's something that might stick to him and might slow him down because otherwise he's been on fire all year long, leading the league in goals. That's not something we expected from any rookie, but uh, he certainly delivered the good offensively, goods offensively, but it is slowing down a little bit. Nick Ehlers has taken his spot on the top line. Uh, that's another young guy with a nice profile in Winnipeg as a scorer. So they've got a wealth of offensive options there, but uh, what say you about these two players now? Yeah, I, I do think, uh, you know, Line is young enough. He'll he'll forget about about that once the highlights stop showing it. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I honestly think his, his scoring instinct kicked in. He saw an empty net and a loose puck and just fired it away. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't see it affecting him long term, maybe a game or two. I mean, he's certainly going to get razzed in the locker room for, for quite a while for that one. And, yeah, you mentioned Nikolai Ehlers. He's been a fantastic talent. 
Um, they've got just a ton of offensive scores there. And I do think uh, this is a team on the rise that can do some really good things. And I, I expect them to be right there in it at the end of the season. Well, AJ, we're a football uh, hockey show, but we have to give a nod to our football fans uh, with FanDuel always wanting us to plug uh, the football season. So here we go. Fantasy football fans have all the victory every Sunday with FanDuel. Fantasy football for everyday fans. There's new contests starting every week, and there's no busted seasons. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. New this year, they've added an upgraded experience where you get even more contest variety. Try beginner contests for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head deal. Try a 50-cent 50-50 contest where the top half win cash. That's my favorite, actually. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. Play for a dollar. There's choices for every budget. And AJ, we've been lucky enough to do the free roll on a weekly basis, and you're making out like a bandit here. You continue to show very well in this regard, and I think you should be included in the DFS Daily Podcast. Maybe you should go to the boss, the big bosses there in at home office and say, hey, look what I'm up to, and uh, I'll give you a chance to tell your story about your successes this week. Yeah, so the biggest key this week is you had to have Le'Veon Bell in your lineup if you were going to do anything. He put up 49.8 points. Uh, I looked at our our expert league, and and none of the top 15 players in that contest were without Bell in their lineup. Uh, You know, I did uh, chip in a little bit. I stacked against the Browns, which is probably a good idea in any situation. I took Tyler Eifert and Andy Dalton. Uh, They combined for 35 points for me. So, And I actually managed to get, uh, you know, that fifth-place spot that inc- that includes a zero from Kendall Wright, and that's uh, a bad on me for not checking back to rotowire.com and looking at our lineups and, and injury news and seeing that he was out. Uh, so I left him in. Uh, probably could have done even better if I had had somebody else in there. See that? The guy is shorthanded, and he still cashes in. That's how good AJ's been all year long, and you and I will get the chance to get back involved in our in our season-long Vegas leagues because we both earned a bye with our strong regular seasons. I'm, I'm getting a tough matchup, I know, in the first round uh, against one of the few teams that beat me this year, but he's also a rival, and that's Andre Snellings. Who are you going to face in the first round? Uh, I'm in going up against... Round, I should say. Yeah, going up against Pete Shanky. Uh, oh, in his, big, uh, big boss. <laughs> yeah, right. going against the boss. Not sure if I should uh, roll over and lay down, maybe help my long-term future at Rotowire. <laughs> I think you got to make a statement and, and beat him. <laughs> so uh, we both got some fun matchups, and I already started the trash talking with, with Andre as well in, in mind. So we'll have fun with that, and we hope that you guys who have made the playoffs in your leagues continue to enjoy it. Uh, those, are, those are some of the stories that we've had to talk about all year long. We highlight them in our daily fan DFS pods too, the, the top players we think you should be talking about. We tweet them out from Monday to Friday. We put them up on an audio boom website, and uh, all the guys have done a great job all year long. We invite people to play in the Rotowire Championship by going to fanduel.com slash rotowire hyphen championship. Uh, we remind all of you to have all the fun that fantasy football has to offer with FanDuel. Be sports rich. There's a special offer for new users where you get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. That's over $40 in value for just 10 bucks. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Now, uh, it's up to us now to build our daily rosters for this fine Tuesday night. So why don't you go ahead with the two centers from tonight's slate that you like? Yeah, so I went uh, I went with Jack Eichel for Buffalo, 6,800. He's going up against L.A., who, uh, as we've mentioned, they've been 
you know, pretty solid in goal, but I, I think Eichel has a lot going for him, as everybody probably knows, um, and he's decently priced. And and then along with him, uh, this is going to be the big one for me. I'm going to stack uh, a handful of uh, Minnesota Wild players tonight, and starting with Eric Stahl, 5,600, going up against Florida, who are really struggling. Minnesota has been solid all season long, so I'll have a few more to talk about uh, as we go through the rest of the lineup. But, Paul, what did you do down the middle? Down the middle, I went to Washington, and I'm, I'm hoping that the great eight has a better night than you probably would forecast. I'm picking his center, Nicholas Backstrom, against the Islanders in that matchup for 6800 bucks, and uh, I'm pairing him with Henrik Zetterberg of Detroit. I think I'm counting on a mismatch here, though Arizona's played well against Detroit in recent years. I'm counting on Detroit to take an undermanned uh, Arizona club to task, and Zetterberg will central to that for 6200 bucks. And over at the wing position, who do you like? Yeah, so a couple guys we highlighted already. I'm going to take Jakob Silverberg tonight, 5600 That's That's a pretty good discount considering his, uh, his talent and what he's been doing lately. And then... Uh, Recently released from the doghouse, Nylander for 5200 Again, uh, he's playing two-way hockey and, and I think could uh, chip in some scoring as well. Uh, I'm not in love with the matchup against San Jose. They're a tough team, but uh, you know, for the price, he was definitely worth it. Uh, and then I went with uh, Jason Pominville for 4800 That's another one of my Minnesota guys I'm, I'm stacking in there. Uh, and then finally rounding it out with Michael Grabner, who's having a strong season. He's going up against a Chicago team that's still got Darling in net, and he's only 4700 So that's another big uh, matchup that I, that I want to kind of take advantage of as well. Uh, what did you do for the wingers, Paul? Well, I, I went ahead and I made a change to my roster just before coming to air, and I included Brandon Saad among my wingers. He's playing against Edmonton. That's the Columbus uh, centerpiece on their offense, one of the guys that's been clicking for $6,600. That's where I spent a lot of my money. I paired him with Robbie Fabry of St. Louis. I got him at a discount, and I pointed that out during our show. For $5,100, I guess he, I guess I think he's going to good matchup against Nashville this is a team that's kind of underperformed this year and I've kind of done a stack stack of the Washington team tonight I included two wingers here in this mix I picked Johansson and Oshie Johansson at a discount of $5,000 and Oshie at $6,600 they both factor into this team's special teams I think they're going to go to town against an overmatched Islanders squad tonight so I'm looking for that uh, as the focal point of my picks tonight uh, looking at that game on the blue line, uh, we always have some intrigue here because we tend to find value uh, in this range for power play quarterbacks. I know you went big on one end, but you also found a value play. That I yeah, I, yeah, I'm I'm generally a value guy. I try and go cheaper here, um, but I I liked what I did in my wingers, and so I was able to spend a little more. And I went real big. I went with Brent Burns, uh, eighty three hundred. It's hard to pick against this guy. He's been an absolute fantasy stud. Uh, and then my value play was uh, back to the Minnesota well. Uh, I went with Jared Spurgeon, only 4,700. He's, uh, you know, playing on their top pairing, should get some power play minutes. Uh, so I, I definitely liked him there. Uh, defensively, what did you do, Paul? Well, I took Spurgeon as well. This is one of the rare times where we agreed. We don't uh, rehearse or sw- share this information until we go to air. So I picked him as well against Florida. I think we're both looking at the fact that a Florida team is really underperforming. And while the Minnesota team is hitting on all cylinders, Spurgeon is a guy who factors into power play minutes and will play over 20 minutes a game. So I like him there. And I spoke of R- Ristolainen in Buffalo. I know they've got a bit of a tough matchup against Los Angeles, but I think that he's a, been a lin- 
linchpin of success on their special teams as well. And for $5,200, I think he's underpriced, for given the scoring pace that he's on, a uh, point per game in the last seven outings. So that's uh, where we look uh, defensively. And in goal, you're not going to shock the world with, with your pick. I don't think I am with mine, but uh, let's talk about our goalie picks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, FanDuel lets you take four guys from one team, and this is going to be my fourth. Devin Dubnik, 9,100, so he's a little pricier, but the matchup against a struggling uh, offensive uh, team with the Panthers, it was just too much for me to pass up on. And then, uh, Paul, it looks like, uh, or it sounds like you're going to go against your team again uh, in net there. <laughs> yeah, I am. At home, the the least face a visit from the San Jose Shark. This is a this is a team that will wear you down physically, and I don't think the Leafs are equipped to deal with it. Uh, certainly among their top six forwards, and I think that's central to the mismatch that I forecast here. And the Leafs must be scratching their heads after that 52 shot effort. I don't expect them to get 52 shots against San Jose. They may struggle to get 30 against this pretty responsible club, and that's really why I look at Martin Jones for 8,800 dollars. Uh, looking always, this is where I start building my team out from the net and i see uh, jones as a really outstanding choice tonight we'll see which way it turns out to be the best uh, but i'm going against the guy who's hot as a firecracker and mr schultz here so uh, i don't really like my chances i'll say that right now you're, <laughs> you're carrying the hot hand we'll see what happens aj yeah, and, and, I, know, I, I know you're you're trying to drum up interest in in the daily game and, and i know you have a good idea that we want to share with our listeners yeah, so last week uh, we let our listeners know about a, a FanDuel contest we were going to be hosting, and we're going to do that again this week. But uh, instead of doing a, a Tuesday contest, uh, we're going to do a Thursday contest, hopefully give people some more time to uh, to sign up for that. Uh, so throughout the day on Thursday, Paul and I will tweet out that invite again, the, the hashtags that will be at AJSholes24 and at Statsman22, and we'll do a podcast uh, $2 FanDuel contest and let our listeners see how their lineups on, on Thursday stack up against ours. And that's a challenge we put out to our listeners, and we'll see if uh, how they fare. We're certainly put, we're willing to put our money where our mouth is in any case. And uh, that brings us to my favorite part of the show, AJ, and I think it's becoming yours as well, where we get to talk a little bit about the good and the bad in the NHL and the stud in the week and the rant of the week. With the stud of the week, I'm going to begin with talk of uh, we've been handing out bouquets to the backup goalies around the league. Well, certainly Antti Ranta has uh, become notable in that regard with uh, the last three games that he's performed instead of Henrik Lundqvist in the New York Nets. He's allowed a total of one goal, recorded two shutouts as well. He's 8-1 and one on the year with a 165 goals against average. I know he's on a great team, but he's certainly raising his profile with the stellar play, and that's what the stud of the week is really all about. With the Vegas club... Uh, Around, uh, around the corner looking to stock their lineup. He might be a candidate, a uh, low-cost candidate in goal who finally gets a chance to take the reins as a full-time guy. But I liked what I've seen in backup roles in Chicago and now with the Rangers. We're happy to show this guy some love uh, as we're on the backup goalie train. And he's one of several second stringers who's ha- excelled this season. We've said it before, goaltending quality and depth has never been uh, more deep, uh, deeper around the NHL than it is right now. Yeah, I think the the interesting thing is that New York is, uh, the, you know, the Rangers are never a team I thought would have a goalie controversy, but uh, Henrik Lundqvist has been on the bench for three in a row. It'll be interesting to see what they do tonight. Um, if they're going to go and give Ranta a stick with a hot hand, give him the fourth uh, consecutive start there, 
it's definitely a little bit of a, a brewing controversy. So uh, that's another one important to monitor. Watch that starting goalie grid uh, to see which of these guys they're going to go with. And I, I think to your point about Vegas, uh, should also mention that uh, Ranta is carrying just a $1 million cap hit next season. Uh, so he's he's definitely going to be starting sooner rather than later, I think. Whether it's in Vegas or somewhere else, uh, we'll see down the road. But he's he's showing uh, number one netminder pedigree. I Long term, I don't see it being in, the, in New York. I don't think they'll eventually completely switch over from Lundqvist. That would be a little bit of a stretch. Um, but they're either going to cash in on him or, or lose him to Vegas. Yeah, it's been, that's a really interesting circumstance that's evolved over there, and uh, I can't see them ditching Lundqvist uh, in favor of him at the end of the season, can you? It, it doesn't seem likely. So, But we swing from Ranta as the stud to the rant of the week. Oh, I love saying that. Ranta to the rant. <laughs> <laughs> My rant uh, this week, AJ, is to this business of running into goalies. There's, there's a rule out there, folks, that the NHL states that a skater can't precede a puck into the crease and another one that says they shouldn't be allowed to hit a goalie in the crease. But we saw both things, and we're seeing them with great frequency this year. Uh, the player in the crease on a scoring play doesn't seem to get the call as often as, uh, as I remember that they should. And too many times the goalie's getting run in, into without too many repercussions, just as in Monday night's Boston-Montreal Boston game. And on the weekend, certainly, Carey Price has been taking a lot of whacks in the crease. Uh, last night in the Montreal-Boston game, David Pasternak went barreling into him in overtime. All the emphasis on the replay was well, how the puck may have entered the net, though, and there was, the guy didn't even earn a penalty. Uh, what about protecting the defenseless goalie? Just as officials and rules protect the defenseless receiver or quarterback in football or the catcher in baseball. We're just not seeing it in the NHL, and even when a star goalie like, like uh, Price has to take matters into his own hands, it shouldn't come to that. Yeah, I definitely think uh, the lack of calls may be why we saw Carey Price basically just start beating on Kyle Palmieri in the crease the other night you know the goalies are sick of it too and especially with Price you've got a guy who lost almost the entire season last year to injury and I think he's worried that if these guys are going to keep coming in at 100 miles an hour that it's going to happen again um, and I definitely agree with you they need to start calling the goaltender interference more although I will say in some of the games I've watched, I, I think the refs have done well not calling uh, situations in which the netminder's own teammate pushes somebody into True. him. Uh, it's certainly a fine line the officials are walking there. Yeah, I'll concede that very, very much. Uh, it's the fast action of hockey that makes this kind of hard to call, I guess. But relative to other sports... Uh, they're not doing as good a job protecting uh, this key position, and I'd like to just see them make a bit of a better effort in that regard. Maybe stress the rules that goalies shouldn't be contacted un uh, unless it's a pat on the head for a great save. I'll say that. Uh, well, that wraps it up for this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ. We remind you to remember to send your comments and questions on Twitter to follow, uh, follow me at Paul Bruno at uh, Statsman22, and you can follow AJ Scholes at AJ Scholes24. That's AJ. S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. We ask you to look out for our podcast, Hockey Pod, every week so that you can get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contest. So long, everybody. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. 
You can even get Harry's five-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.